passionate about the truth of God's Word and will tell you like it is, Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. everybody happy summer summertime you're here you're here to be refreshed this beautiful summer day hopefully it's beautiful wherever you are from um wherever you're sitting maybe you're sitting poolside i wish i was there wouldn't that be fun we would have a blast just chatting away um Welcome to this brand new episode of the Autumn Miles Show. I love y'all so much. Um, And I want you, like I have said, I want you to take me with you this summer. Y'all, don't forget about your old uh, best buddy over here. Take me with you on your um, vacations, wherever they are. I mean, I would love to like, you know, someone take me to California. Someone take me to Hawaii. Let's do this thing. Wouldn't that be great? Listen right along because I'll be doing fresh episodes all summer long. We need to have like some summertime music in the background. Don't you think that would be so great? I do. My producer's listening. Maybe he'll, he'll add some summer, um, music in the background. Anyways. Uh, so here's the thing. I do still sound a little nasally and I'm sorry about that. You guys, um, I am recovering from a summer cold, which couldn't be more annoying. (laughs) And yet there it is. (laughs) So just so you guys know, um, all day today, you're going to hear me a little bit more uh, nasally, but I am great. I am fine. I feel wonderful. You know, sometimes they feel you um, you like sound, you sound sick, but you're really not. That's kind of how this is going. Okay. So here's the deal, guys. My husband has a problem. He buys way too much stuff from Sam's Club. It is absolutely unbelievable. Um, During the summertime, all of my kids have like extra uh, projects to do. We are uh, parents that we really, really, really have our kids do chores. I was trying to, but I was trying to think of a way to say that, but there really is nothing, nothing more to say other than our kids do chores. They, they're responsible for different little things in the house. Like at night, I think Jude uh, unloads the dishwasher, Grace loads the dishwasher, the babies clean off the table after dinner, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of us have a role to play. Okay. So during the summertime, my kids will be able to do extra chores. And a lot of times we'll pay them, we'll pay them like, you know, it's like $5 to clean the whole house. <laughs> no, just kidding. We don't do that. Although that's a great idea. I wonder if they would look at me and laugh if I said that. Anyways, um, when I was a kid, I would love $5 to clean the whole house. That would be amazing. But, you know, times have changed a little bit. So the other day I told Grace, we have this pantry and our pantry is a disaster. Okay. Those of you that have organized pantries, why, how, how help a sister out? How in the world is your pantry with everything labeled on it and everything so clean? Um, with four children, it's like impossible to do that. Okay. So very regularly we clean out our pantry and it's the crate. It's so crazy. The amount of stuff that we like accumulate in our pantry. And one of the reasons is this, my husband won't stop buying stuff from Sam's and Costco (laughs) guys the other day. 
my daughter is cleaning out the pantry for a little bit of extra money for, uh, to go shopping or whatever this summer. We have five, and I do mean five. I told him the other day, Eddie, we need ketchup. We're totally out of ketchup, okay? While she's cleaning up the pantry, um, he has clearly gone to Sam's Club or Costco, and she continually pulls out ketchup bottle after ketchup bottle. And these are not normal-sized ketchup bottles. These are like the gallon-sized ketchup. They're not gallon. I don't know. They're what, What's one less than gallon? Whatever that is, that's what they are. Five. We have five bottles of ketchup. It is unbelievable. I I cook with olive oil. I cook with olive oil a lot. I'll, you know, fry things with it, whatever. I like olive oil. I don't know why. I just do. We found, no, literally three gallons of olive oil in our pantry. It's like, I'll say, I need some olive oil. I'm running out of it. No. Does he go to the regular grocery store? No, he does not. He goes to Costco and buys the largest thing that you could ever get ever. I cannot tell you how many little bags of Cheez-Its and, and goldfish and stuff like that, that we have in our pantry. The man, I literally had to look at him the other day because we have 14,000 paper plates. And I had to say to him, Eddie, please refrain from buying from Costco. And this is what I, I have for you today, spiritually, when it comes to this. Um, you know, my husband is like, kind of reminds me, he's he's got that, that thing with him that when you tell him a problem, like he fixes it, but he fixes it, like multiplies it right? Like we need ketchup. Okay. I'll buy you five bottles. We need paper plates. Okay. I'll buy you 2000 plates. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Jesus multiplying the five loaves and two fish and feeding, you know, 10,000 people. So who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Eddie is taking a nod from, um, the story in the Bible where Jesus multiplies the food to feed, feed everyone. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's one of his spiritual gifts. I don't know. All I know is that right now, I have five gallons of olive oil and five oversized ketchups and like 2000 paper plates. Now I'm embellishing. Okay. I'm embellishing this except for the five ketchups. We really do have five ketchups. Um, but isn't it funny how, when you like clean something out, you figure out that there are literally, you know, someone in your family has been buying way too much of something. I really do think he's a little bit like Jesus in that he can take something small and multiply it. Anyway, uh, not much spiritual things to that today. I am, however, going to go to the word. That's just what's happening in my house, in my absolute real world over here. I am going to go to the word in just a second after the break. And we are going to talk to those of you out there that feel like you are alone. And guess what? You're not. You are not fighting your battle alone. Catch me after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today 
at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, here we go. We're going to hit it straight out the gate because I don't know how long my voice is going to last. Turn in your Bibles if you have them. Let's pretend we're in a church and you're sitting in the audience. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings 6, 8 through 18. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to read this passage of scripture and then we're going to hit this home. But I want to talk to those of you out there today. Satan has convinced you that you are fighting your battle alone. Okay. I know, uh, especially last year, going through what we went through, there was so much isolation happening. There were so many people that were like, you know, didn't want to go out. They were stuck in their homes, whatever. They lost their jobs. There was a lot of battles to fight. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to make you believe that you are actually doing this alone. But you're not. You are not. You are so far from fighting any battle alone, okay? Um, you're not alone. That's that's a lie from the enemy. But I do believe that people are believing this lie. I want to take you to one of my favorite passages in scripture on this gorgeous sunny day. And I want to read it to you because I don't want you to be separated from the truth. I don't want you to be divided from the truth. I want you to understand that there is literally, literally, legions of angels that are with you. Okay, let me read this in 2 Kings uh, 6, 8 through 18. Okay, here's the deal. Oh, do I want to start in 8? Yeah, I think I am. Now, the king of Aaron, Aram, sorry, I'm nasally, guys. Just ask Mike. It's driving him crazy, my producer. Now, the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. Now hang out. This is this is really cool. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel saying, "Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Armenians are coming down from there." I'm going to explain this in a second. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus, he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now, the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. And he called to his servants and said to them, will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? Now, this is what was happening. Aram, the king of Aram was making his little plan. This is what we're going to do, guys. This is this is what we're going to do. And the prophet um, knew because he was a prophet of God, he knew that Elisha, uh, the prophet of God, Elisha knew because God was speaking to him what the plans of the king were. The king of Aram thought that there was a traitor in his midst, and there wasn't. 
the Spirit of God was in his midst, hearing his plans and telling them to Elisha, okay? So Aram was trying to defeat Israel, but he couldn't do it because the Spirit of God was speaking to the prophet of God, Elisha, and the Spirit of God was telling the prophet of God what was going on. You know, sometimes there's not a traitor. You know, this is, this is the thing. I put out this quote a couple of weeks ago. You know, the enemy thinks that he's got the upper hand sometimes. Um, and, and maybe, maybe enemies in your life think that they have the upper hand sometimes and they forget one thing. The spirit of the living God hears all of their plans. Do you understand how much God is for you? There cannot be a plan or a plot against you that the spirit of the living God doesn't hear. He knows. He knows. And because he knows and he is everywhere, we know that he can protect us, uh, divert our plans. He can uh, do things that literally will keep us safe. The king of Aram could not deal. He did not like it. He thought there was a uh, someone that was betraying him in their midst, and there wasn't. It was the Spirit of God telling the prophet of God, Elisha. Okay, let me get back to the text. Verse 11, I'm going to pick this up again in verse 11. Now, the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. How does everyone know what I'm talking about? And he called his servants and said to them, will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? Who's the betrayer? Okay. One of his servants said, no, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, this is what I just told you, the prophet who is in, oh my goodness, it's out of my Bible, who is in something, I don't know what that word is, sorry, I've written so much in my Bible, I don't know what the word is, who is in blank, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom, okay? You see what I'm saying? The Spirit of God was telling Elisha the plans, and Elisha was telling the king of Israel, okay? So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dotham. Okay. So the king's like, go get this dude. I want to talk to him. And so um, they go to this place, Dotham, and, um, and try to find him. He sent horses and chariots. The king sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Okay, so I am going to just sit here for a second. Um, we have a situation here where the king of Aram was so mad that the king of Israel knew all of his plans. And when he found out that the prophet of God, Elisha, was the one that was telling the king of Israel, he wanted him gone. He wanted him gone so bad that he sent his entire army to this place called Dotham to circle the city. He was mad. Now you're going to see Elisha here, and he had one servant with him. Okay. Um, it looked as if it was just the two of them. 
It looked as if they had absolutely no one to protect them. It looked as if they were isolated. It looked as if they were alone. It looked as if they were goners. It looked as if they were about to face a rough fate. But Elisha saw with supernatural eyes and the servant didn't. There is a great sort of um, paradox, I guess, if you will, in this story. Here we have Elisha and the servant looking at the situation and seeing the same things, but thinking a different way. The servant looks out like you and I would, and he sees when he wakes up in the morning and he opens the blinds and he cracks open the curtains and the sunshine's coming through. And then all of a sudden he sees a, a bunch of army and uh, army men and, you know, horses and chariots and all the things. And that's what he sees. And what he sees affects what he believes. The next verse is um, so telling because Elisha, the prophet, sees the same thing that the servant saw. But what he sees doesn't affect what he believes. It says right here, and the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered Elisha, Verse 16, this is in 2 Kings 6, 6 through 18. So Elisha answered, do not fear. For those that are with us are more than those that are with them. The next verse says this. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed and the Lord to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray, so that they struck him with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Okay. So let me bring this home for you guys right here. The other day I was talking to my kids and we, we have, um, lots of conversations about Jesus. You know, you kind of, um, depending on their age, you, you share like great, uh, Moses and Haven, my six-year-olds, they, you know, they have both asked Jesus to come into their life. And so they, and they are like all about it. And it is so precious and so wonderful. Haven told me uh, last year, I think it was when I put her to bed one night, she was like, mom, do you know that Jesus loved you and dies on the, died on the cross for your sins? And I was like, I do. I do know that. I do know that. Um, they are just so excited about Jesus. Moses told me when he went to school, um, mom, the teachers at school didn't talk about Jesus at all. Why? Why are we not learning about Jesus at school? Because uh, they, they do go to public school. They are so in tuned to Jesus. And so you kind of talk to them at their stages. The older kids, Judah's 12 and Grace is 15. They're in a totally different 
stage. Okay. So Eddie and I, it's really fun because we're able to talk to them about more almost age appropriate things. Um, and I was talking to Jude the other day and, um, we're just talking about fear. We're talking about how fear can literally overcome us because it will derail us. It will derail our day. It will derail our thinking. It will derail, um, our plans, uh, our good mood, anything, relationships, anything. I mean, fear can do that to you. And we were just talking about the supernatural world and, um, and how the supernatural world is more real than the temporal world. And we know that because the Bible tells us that, okay, there's, there is, uh, you could, you could do studies on angels. You can do studies on demons. You can do studies on heaven, hell. You can, I mean the whole thing, but I told him cause we were driving by a field I told him about this story and he was talking about being afraid of something. And I told him about this story and I said, I understand sometimes what you see makes you believe what you believe, but you actually need to look at life with an eternal perspective. You need to look at your life and at things that you're scared of. You need to understand that there is a supernatural world. There are angels. The Bible tells us in Psalm 91 that he will give his angels charge over you. And just because you cannot see them with your eyes does not mean that they are any less real. We're walking by a field and I said, I know that you see a field that's just full of trees and grass and whatnot. But after telling him this story in the Bible, I said, I want you to picture this field with chariots of fire, with angels in them, ready to come at your aid. Because the Bible tells us that they will in Psalm 91 when you need them. I don't think we think about the supernatural world enough. And when we feel isolated and when we feel alone and when we feel like nobody's there and when we feel like we don't have anyone to defend us, to deliver us, whatever, we're forgetting. We're forgetting about stories like this, where Elisha literally prayed. Let me read it. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Let me remind you what the servant said. Verse 15, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? What are we going to do? We're surrounded. We're alone. We're isolated. We have nothing. We are literally going to get taken by the king of Aram as prisoners or whatever it was that they were going to do to them. He saw with his eyes and it made him believe what he believed. So he answered, Elisha answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Just because it looks like you're alone, my dear, doesn't mean that you are. But the enemy wants you to believe that you are, and he wants you to act like you are. So whatever it is that you're facing today, do not discount or count the supernatural world out of it.
there is a God that is so engaged with what you're facing, you need just reach out to him. If we lived as if on our daily lives, the supernatural world was actually as real as it was, I think we would live differently. You are not alone. You're just operating like this particular Elisha's servant in this passage. Your mindset is that there's nothing greater than what you see, and that's wrong. Because the word of God encourages us with stories like this, so we can say, okay, God, in Psalm 91, you say, you say, I didn't write it, you say that you're going to give your angels charge over me to guard me in all your ways. So I'm going to need some of them angels. Think supernaturally. Ask God to show you and encourage your heart. If you, you might look around and there might not be anyone around. But ask God to encourage your heart, to remind you that you are not alone. And let me tell you something. You are never alone because God is our Emmanuel. He is constantly with us. I just feel like we are tempted to believe that we are alone so much. We're fighting alone and we're in this fight alone. And even those closest to us aren't close enough to us. And I want to encourage you today that you are not fighting alone. You have a host of angels and chariots and God himself that is fighting right along with you. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean that the Bible does not speak of it to encourage us. Okay. So I wanted to leave you with that today. Um, We're going to do a little bit shorter than we normally do today, but I hope this encourages you guys to press on, to press in. I hope that it uh, reminds you how much you are a part of a family of God, a community of God um, right there with the angels. Catch me right after the break for a question from one of you. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, 
girls and boys. We are back with a question from one of you, my friends. Guys, thank you for sending these. I love that they are super raw, real, transparent. And I love that you're sending them to me. Thank you for send- thank you for trusting me with some of these questions. It's it's unbelievable what you guys are sending us. We're going to go back to church, y'all. This is another church question like last week, but I think that this is a really good one. Um, Someone writes, and they do not leave their name. By the way, if you want to leave us a question, you can leave it at hello at autumnmiles.com. Email us, or you can DM any of my social media sites, and we'll, we'll, we'll get it. It says this, I am so involved in my church that it almost feels like my faith is not my own. How do you recommend I take charge of my faith? I don't want to disengage from church or church leadership, but sometimes it feels suffocating. Now, this question was a smidge bit confusing, so um, hopefully I'll, I'll help. But it sounds to me, let me read this again to you guys. I am so involved in my church that it almost feels like my faith is not my own. How do you recommend I take charge of my own faith? I don't want to disengage from my church or church leadership, but sometimes it feels suffocating. Um, This is an interesting question here because it seems to me like maybe you are adopting the faith of the people around you. Um, Personally, to me, I clearly am not for not going to church. Okay. I'm not for that. Um, But I do see, you know, we always talk about you need to have your own faith apart from your your parents' faith. Like there was a moment in my life when my faith was no longer because my parents told me it was true. There was a moment in my life when I decided I am going to follow Jesus. I want to see him work for me. I want to see him work personally in my life specifically, okay? And that would be my advice for you. I'm not saying disengage with church. I don't think that that's the right thing to do. But I do think that you probably in your quiet time need to start asking um, the Lord to build your own individual faith. Okay. It's great to believe, um, anything that your church leaderships believes or what they're believing for or whatever, but how are you asking the Lord for specific things in your life? Do you have a relationship with the Lord that you pray for specific things? There should be a differentiation, I believe, between corporate faith and personal faith. You should be praying for things and believing for things in your own personal life. And asking the Lord to reveal himself to you specifically. If you're not doing that and you're just um, sort of going along with the, listen, my, our church is believing for, you know, a capital campaign of this much money or our church is believing for this many meals to feed whoever. And you don't have those personal requests for the Lord and those daily talks where you're talking to him on a daily basis. It will seem suffocating. It will seem like you're just adopting your church's faith and not your own. So I might take a, uh, not a step back from church, but maybe separate a little bit from your personal 
relationship with Christ and your relationship with Christ with your church. Um, I don't want you to quit your church, but I do think that maybe you need to see the Lord work personally for you. So that's a prayer thing, not a leave the church thing, if that makes sense. Um, I hope this helps you today, but um, I want to go back to the fact that there is a moment where we have to adopt our own faith. We have to adopt our own belief. We have to ask Jesus to come into our life and be the Lord of our life. Um, So I would definitely separate those two things. And you can have both at the same time. And you should have both at the same time. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Uh, You can catch me next time for a brand new edition of the Autumn Mall Show. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.